Hey, I'm Andrew Hales. Welcome to another edition of Chatting With. I'm here with Alan. Nice to be here. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Very uh, cool. Yeah, I, uh, I hit up some other marriage counselors on Yelp and they didn't want to come. They were they were kind of mean. Oh, really? That's <laughs> <Yeah>. sad. <laughs> well, well, she was like, uh, yeah, I don't want to do that. But anyway, um, you're so how long have you been a marriage counselor? Uh, I've been a marriage counselor now for about 10 years. Okay, what what made you want to do it or get into it? You know, I kind of fell into it actually. Um, you know, I worked with families for years, uh, individuals, um, and I think a lot of therapists shy away from couples counseling just because it's it's overwhelming to have multiple people in the room and that kind of emotion. Hmm. Um, for me, I love it. You know, it's 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 an opportunity to really help people find blind spots and really emphasize the importance of working on a relationship. So yeah, premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this was a thing until a few weeks ago you know that's the sad thing about it actually <laughs> yeah. is that most people don't do premarital counseling right and most of what they're entering into you know i really think of things very much as these three acts of life mm-hmm. you know there's your single life that you're supposed to experiment in and you're really supposed to kind of explore who you are take the chances that you need to take um you know whether it's experimentation in travel sex career um just you know having that time with friends yeah but it's supposed to really teach you a little bit about what you want in life because i think when people get married they have a really naive kind of expectation Mm -hmm. in the sense that they sort of just think it's a continuation of oh we live together it's the same thing yeah but you're talking about the merging of finances you're talking about increasing expectation and a lot of infrastructure building yeah and you know when people talk about families they talk about careers they talk about houses it all kind of happens at the same time where people really aren't in that 40 hour work week mode, but rather, you know, they're pushing a 60 hour work week mm-hmm. and they're really trying to build something. And at the same time, you know, there's this marriage and you have to water it and you have to do stuff. And I think a lot of times people get anxious, maybe overwhelmed, but they don't really know how to handle it. And they blame their partners, which is mm-hmm. usually when they're coming to see me. What are some exercises you do with premarital counseling? Um, I want to help people to talk about, you know, the family boundaries. I want them to understand what they want as far as whether it's kids, what their ex- expectations are as far as okay. you know, religion, if that's something that's important you, to you them. You kind of like force them to have all these conversations. Well, I think a lot of people just kind of shy away from those conversations and they don't really understand that there's a lot of deal breakers that are going to come up. And hmm. so I'd much rather people go into a marriage knowing how that they're going to solve conflicts, what they're going to be doing as far as de-escalation and, and really handling the emotional components of arguments, let's say, mm-hmm. how they're going to strategize and in many ways, how they're going to treat this marriage similar to how they kind of treat a business, which sounds sort of yeah weird, right? <laughs> Most people don't think about that. Well, it's not romantic. It's yeah. not romantic, but at the same time, when you have that many moving parts moving yeah. around in your life, mm-hmm. if you don't have sorry, a good structure, this. oh, sorry, <laughs> you're fine. If you don't have a good structure on how you're going to handle things, how you're going to solve problems, how you're going to trust each other. And, you know, by trust, meaning that the person, if they're, if you're holding up scaffolding, that they're going to hold their part of it mm-hmm. so that you can work on building something new. And I think if people are really just living a parallel life, almost like a roommate, like existence mm-hmm. in that situation, romance dies anyway. I mean, you have to carve it out. Are you married? I am. How long have you been married? I've been married <laughs> for, gosh, like, uh, I'd say probably close to 11 years. Um, it's your first marriage. It is my first marriage <laughs> and I'm actually married to a therapist, which is, oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, nice. yeah. uh, has it been bumpy? Has it been hard? Um, I think, well, you know <laughs> I'm what? Asking, it, like, personal no, questions. obviously it's, yeah. I think, you know, 
I don't have an issue talking about it. It's it is a lot of the stuff that we've come up with. My wife is also a couples counselor. Okay. Um, it's because of what we've learned in our own marriage, what we've learned in our own family, what we've yeah. learned, you know, from our friends as well as our careers. And huh. so we know that there's sort of this unspoken epidemic that goes on with couples. Well, I, yeah, I hear it's like fifty percent now. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's pretty devastating. The divorce think, rate, for yeah. sure. And and I think a lot of people who get divorced don't need to. Yeah, you know, they just don't have the tools. <clears throat> How does a couple know if they should? be together or if they shouldn't um you're talking about like before they get married or you're talking about like while they're married if maybe they get divorced yeah right yeah i think a lot of times it all depends on why you got married you know there are people who are not compatible that do end up together for you know they think it's chemistry they think everything will allow them to live that single life with a partner hmm. so if you have a partner let's say that's not willing to collaborate and is not willing to grow and look at things Mm-hmm. then that's, you know, tough to deal with. But in my experience, um, everybody has a chance to learn, you mm-hmm. know, and I've seen people who, you know, the marriages that they were hanging by a thread and yeah. they came in and they were able to talk about things and they were able to sort of build a structure and new habits. Because I think a lot of what happens in our society mm-hmm. is just bad habits. Yeah. You know, people live very independently. They're, and this is no offense to you, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like they're, they're, they're so hooked on technology. Yeah, yeah. So whether it's, you know, their quality <laughs> time is just watching a TV show together or watching it apart, mm-hmm. playing on their phones, right. watching YouTube, they don't really connect. Mm-hmm. They sort of reside in this place where after work, it's kind of like how they let go of things. Mm-hmm. They feel like they earn it, you know, because they've had a hard day so they can check out. And I think a lot of that is destructive. And yeah. when people aren't talking, when they're not planning, there's no hope. Um. So have you ever had a couple come in and you were like, and you thought they shouldn't be together? No, I know it sounds like a weird answer. Yeah. But I think usually there's a, there's like two different versions of the relationship. There's version 1.0 prior to meeting me. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, the way that they handle things, a lot of their choices um, that hurt the other person, possibly. Those things were things that they didn't really understand they were doing. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really see the benefit of doing something else. And so I try to look at it as this is the past, but these are the tools you're going to use moving forward on how you're going to start to work together, how you're going to start to handle emotional, you know, dysregulation that occurs during conflict and really build something where there's trust again, you know, where you're talking about things and you're planning things together in a positive way. If someone cheats, Mm -hmm. is that repairable? Yes. Um, It all depends on the reason for cheating. I think in long-term relationships, it's really common for people to... Mm -hmm live in a relationship that doesn't really mirror who they are. And so if you're in a relationship where, let's say your wife is constantly telling you what you need to do, what you're not doing, Mm -hmm. you come home and there's like that moment as you put the key in the door as to what you're walking into, it becomes really negative. And I think it's, it's easy for infidelity to occur in relationships where there is no hope, where there is no planning, where they don't really even look forward to seeing each other. They just sort of live like roommates. Yeah. And if you have an opportunity, and most, most infidelity that I see tends to happen in work-related environments where a person is telling you how good you are at your job. Mm-hmm. They're telling you, like, let's say, what a good dad you are. Wow, that's so sweet that you bought your wife those flowers. Like, she's so lucky to have you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when somebody is telling you constantly these positive things, it starts off as feeling really good. Mm. And then pretty soon it becomes this weird sort of friendship where they start to divulge, you know, problems in relationships, things that stress them out at home, things that, you know, are not happening as far as their outlets. And when that starts to happen, there's a kind of a false intimacy that develops. And it's an emotional affair. Initially, right, right. You know, yeah. where people just feel connected. They start to meet up for lunch. They start to text each other about movies. Mm-hmm. 
and then it moves into something else as people get confused. Aren't some people truly happier without the other person? They just made a mistake. Yeah, but why are they coming to therapy then? You know, if that's the case, if you really feel there's no hope and you don't mm-hmm. trust this person, they're not your friend and well, you don't well, see a benefit. Well, maybe they don't they don't know, so they come to you for answers. Maybe. Right. Well, I mean, no therapist should ever tell you. And I, I actually have seen a therapist, you know, where a client has come in and they were really upset because that therapist said you shouldn't be together. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And so I do know that therapists will give that input. Hmm. For me, I've seen couples coming in in the worst places and they fix things. So hmm. if you're a person who doesn't like how your life is going with this person, but there was something there at the core that made you marry them, let's say in the first place. Yeah. Why don't you find a way to bring the good back while inserting new habits? 10 years and you've never told a couple that they're not compatible. They're yeah, that they're not compatible. I, I wouldn't say that I've told them that they're not compatible, mm-hmm. but I've, told them if they're not doing the work, you know, when I work with couples, it's very short form. Mm -hmm. I see them maybe four times. And so if they do the work and they implement the tools, chances are things are going to fix themselves. If they're coming to me longer than that, they're not doing the work. Then in that scenario, it's one person working and the other person not. And that Mm -hmm. person feeling abandoned in that situation, Mm -hmm. I might say to them, the couple's counseling doesn't seem to be working. Whether or not I would tell them that they need to divorce, you know, I will challenge people in the session to make sure that they're doing what they need to do. Mm. And if they're not, why that is. So do you believe in soulmates? It's a good question. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really. I actually, you know, it it sounds weird, but it's all about compatibility. Like we were talking about what I said earlier about act two and there being a structure that people have to live within. You know, when they're taking care of kids, they're taking care of a house, they're taking care of their finances, they're taking care of themselves as a couple, they're building a social network for couples, and they're handling their own self-care as well as their career. Mm. It's a lot. And everybody should understand what that's going to take to get through it. So as far as soulmates go, I believe in compatibility. Mm. You know, there is a a tool that I I do with a lot of people where I'll say to them, make a list of 100 things that you want another person. Okay. And in that list, you'll put so many things, you know, that are in there that like most people say a hundred things is a lot. It's really not. If you embrace your shallow self, Mm. you talk about how tall they are. You talk about their body. You talk about their interests, the kind of Mm. foods they like, what they would do for fun. So when you make a list of a hundred things, I then want clients to take a highlighter pen and just highlight five, five things that you couldn't live without, Mm. because those are the five core things that are your deal breakers. And so you can meet a person that has 99 out of 100 things, mm. but has a deal breaker. Right. And you can meet a person who has 50 out of 100 things, but no deal breakers. And I think when you look at what those deal breakers really are, it's, it's about protecting yourself, mm. and making sure that the things that are really important to you aren't going to be compromised two years later, five years later, 10 years later. Monogamy is kind of a debate, right? With mm-hmm. animals and is a... So a lot of people are kind of saying monogamy is unnatural. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think of that? Um, I think that monogamy is essential to trust. And I think in order for couples to succeed, they have to trust each other. I have seen people who come in in open relationships. And mm. in many cases, it's usually because they're so unhappy with the roommate-like status that's occurred in theirs. Yeah. And so I do think that when you're talking about monogamy, there, I mean, I... I I think people can have an open relationship and I've seen people who definitively think that they can, Mm. but in my experience of doing this for a really long time, there's usually one partner that's not okay with that. And they're Uh. just not confident enough to say something because they're scared of losing that person. 
Mm. And they're not really advocating for themselves because I think that within human beings, if you're talking about the kind of infrastructure that Act Two really is, yeah, you need to have all hands on deck. You need to know that that other person is holding the weight that they need to be holding. You heard of uh, Neil Strauss? Mm, name sounds familiar. He he's the author of The Game. Okay, um, and he he has this interesting quote about love. Sure, um, I want to read. Okay. We have this idea that love is supposed to last forever, but love isn't like that. It's a free-flowing energy that comes and goes when it pleases. Sometimes it stays for life. Other times it stays for a second, a day, a month, or a year. So don't fear love when it comes simply because it makes you vulnerable, but it, but don't be surprised when it leaves either. Just be glad you had the opportunity to experience it. That's a good quote. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you think of that? Well, I think, you know, most people before they get married, Mm -hmm. hopefully have been in love a few times before that. Mm -hmm. So they understand, you know, that there is passion. There is this intensity when you first meet somebody and this like like, attraction, this magnetic attraction that keeps you together. And it can be so intense. But when it comes to marriage, it's different. You know, I think that you're talking about a commitment to build massive infrastructure that's going to lead you hopefully to your dreams. And if you're going to do something like that, it's not just love, it's trust. That person has to be your best friend. It can't just be this person that you're enamored with or that the sex is amazing and you have these deep conversations that are amazing. Mm. But at the end of it all, you don't do what you say you're going to do and people can't build on that. So I think that, yeah, I mean, there's times where you can love a person, understand that on that hundred thing that I mentioned earlier, Mm. there's a couple deal breakers in it. And despite the fact that there's 98 out of 100 or 95 out of 100 things those things are so important to you mm-hmm. like whether they want to have kids or they don't want to have kids yeah you know or they or if they're muslim wanna, or not right <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it all depends on you know whether there's you know their what people think about values. as far as their beliefs and values with kids right. yeah. and where they want to live what kind of lifestyle they want to live there's people who dream of retiring in a small town and there's other people who dream of retiring early and traveling the world there's some people who really get off on those new social experiences and other people who are homebodies yeah and it doesn't mean that there's not other things that are great about it, but I can understand why when you're making that commitment, you need to be sure. Yeah. And I think that's where premarital counseling comes in is huh. making sure that you have the hard conversations as to whether or not it really could work, what what it's going to look like in five years, 10 years, et cetera. You think everyone should get premarital counseling? Oh, definitely. Everybody should do premarital counseling. Everyone. Everyone. Huh. Yeah. It sounds like a new thing that'll be part of the future. No, I think it's just it makes smart. Sense. most people who come to see me in general yeah. um, are really successful. You know, yeah. they're not people who are struggling in their professional lives. It's just they don't know how to manage that kind of infrastructure and the limitations that it has on themselves. Because no matter who your partner is, if you're carrying parenthood, house, career, and, you know, and everything that goes with yourself as well as, you know, a relationship, mm-hmm. it's a lot. If the divorce rate is about 50%. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest uh, contributing factor to that? I think it's it's because people have an unrealistic expectation. Hmm. I think that, you know, no offense to social media, but it's given us a very false illusion hmm. where people are seeing things that they think are normal. And what they're seeing is what people want to show them. 
Yeah. And so if you're thinking, wow, my friend's, you know, husband took her here for dinner. My they're, friend's they're so you know, happy. is such a great mom. Yeah. And, you know, and and look at her how supportive, you know, she is of her husband on, on their anniversary. Or mm. they're taking cute pictures of, you know, happy families. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, my kid's always screaming. Wow, I'm always in arguments and power struggles. Why am I so unhappy while these people are happy? Yeah. And I think it's all an illusion. I think everybody is living the same life, but they're just <clears> not <throat> telling people how hard it is. And so when people get divorced, it's because they're not happy and I get it, mm. but they're also contributing to why they're not happy. And if they were to find a new partner, it's likely that whatever's going on in that relationship would probably repeat itself. Do you think everyone should get married? Um, no. Depends I think, on, I think it's like you, some people are happier being alone. Totally. I yeah. think, I think you have to understand if you have a really clear understanding of what act two is and the yeah. level of selflessness that's required for a few years, mm -hmm. young children, you know, pushing your career in that 60, 70 hour week, if you really want to be, you know, successful, for example, then in that situation, if you understand that and you don't want to lose your disposable income and you don't want to, you know, lose your ability to travel or, yeah. you know, hang out with your friends or all that stuff. So yeah, the giddiness and the, that like that giddy first, like three months, whatever. Yeah. Uh -huh. a, a relationship. How do you keep that alive? Especially going into marriage. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you have to keep talking to each other. You know, I think in the beginning of relationships, it's really easy for people to, to develop these really bad habits of movies, TV shows, yeah. um, having conversations about their friends' relationships, talking a lot about work, mm. talking a lot about um, politics or, or things like that. But they they don't really focus on who they are. Mm. And I think the more that you you kind of have like those conversations that you used to have in the very beginning, yeah. you know, when people are on the phone, two hours and uh or they're in bed it's like two in the morning they know i have to work but they're having some cool like deep existential conversation yeah those things don't have to stop mm. and i think a lot of people don't really understand really the importance of eye contact because eye contact is very threatening you yeah. know if you sit with somebody and you start to ask them what they want what they like what's going to happen is they're going to in an unconscious like fraction of a second register whether or not what they're saying is something you want to hear and they'll self-censor because mm. people generally want to align. And it's not just with couples, it's with anybody. But mm. when you're on a road trip, let's say, and you're not looking at each other, or you're hiking and you're not looking at each other, or you're walking on the beach and you're not looking at each other, it allows you to go a lot deeper mm. and to really explore things that you love, things that excite you and to share things that you've never shared before, even to yourself. You know, a lot of the times I'll give people this intervention where it's like parallel conversations mm. and they have to sort of take a walk at night, walk the dog, walk outside, sit on a balcony, mm -hmm. but not look at each other. And the rules are, we don't talk about work. We don't talk about our relationship. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about TV. We don't talk about our families. We don't talk about really anything mm -hmm. except ourselves. And in the beginning, people are kind of thrown off by that, mm -hmm. but it's actually really freeing. And it helps you to sort of insert things in a structure, let's say like act two, that's already, you know, feeling like it's all obligations and, wow, I didn't know that you really loved camping. Hmm. We could camp. Yeah. Why don't we put camping trips into our agenda? It's kind oh. of like, yeah, talk about yourself, kind of like a get to know, kind of like that first date. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. But you have to sort of keep exploring it because when you move into adulthood, it's a lot of like plugging holes. It's a lot of catching plays. It's whatever you want to call it, but it's making sure that things don't crash. Hmm. And in many ways, that's why people feel so hopeless is because they're not putting hope into their relationship. They're not putting things that they're passionate about. 
And I think when people realize sometimes, you know, that you can incorporate those things into a crazy structure, it it just takes planning. What's the most common complaint um, per, uh, couples will say when they come to you? Um, I feel like, like I've heard it's always like money or something. No, it's the most common complaint is usually trust hmm. because the communication isn't good. And when they try to talk, they don't really handle the emotional dysregulation with that hmm. because they're going into a fight or flight response. You know, when somebody is is has that level of anxiety trust like are they cheating what do you know no trust in the sense that they don't trust that their partner is a partner hmm. you know or that they Nothing love is, them well i mean they don't love that their life is the same every day yeah they're not doing things on the weekends they're not doing things in two months they're not doing you know projects together so, so it's also that they're bored they're probably bored but in, in a way they've kind of created that themselves through technology yeah. you know i think people don't really understand the, the addictive qualities of phones, yeah. you know, and, and there's so many times where couples are just sitting next to each other on their phones and they're not connected. And they're just one person's reading about this. The other person's reading about that. They're just doing emails. They're, mm. you know, scrolling social media feeds. They're whatever it is, they're not connected. And so the thing that usually drives people to come to see me is they usually have small children. They're mm. really overwhelmed. They feel like they, one person feels, you know, that they do more, the other person feels that they do more, neither is validating the other. Mm -hmm. And when they try to talk about changing things, there's always an escalation. And I think it's just because when people feel like they're overwhelmed, any like question or expectation that's gonna be added, it feels like the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. It feels like that person can't do it, but in reality they can. They just haven't really built different habits into their life because there is the time, they just are seeing it very much as a self-care situation. What, what are some things that you, you and your wife do that get away from technology, I guess? Um, well, I mean, we... Or, yeah, and... I and, mean, uh, we, we definitely, we write together. We walk together. Um, you know, we, we really try to always set up date nights and, and do things to, to keep our relationship strong because we understand, you know, with kids and a career and our own business. What do you think of Tinder? Um, I think as a dating app, you're saying? Yeah, well, I guess, have you met any couples that met Tinder? I have actually. And they're, and they're married now? Um, one is, yeah. The other one I think was was on the way. Um, so it's like, you don't, it's like, whatever, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't have an issue with how people meet. I mean, if, yeah. if you know, I think people meet in unique ways. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if I don't think people generally go on Tinder looking to get married. Yeah. But does it happen? Do you find connections with anybody? Sure. You know, I think whatever people do to put themselves out there, you have a higher likelihood of finding a match than if you don't. If you sleep with someone on the first date, is yeah. that, you think that's typically not a great foundation? No, I mean, I don't really. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, there has to be sexual chemistry. Right. And so I'm not a person who's has hangups about sex and casual sex if people want to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to move into a relationship, like I said, the core thing is going to be trust. Yeah. Can this person have the same dreams as you and can they actually implement it hmm. will they understand the playing field that you guys are walking into and are they understanding that it's going to be hard at times most people seem to believe that if a relationship doesn't last until death it's a failure but the only relationship that's truly a failure is one that lasts longer than it should the success of a relationship should be measured by its depth not by its length that's another by neil strauss yeah what, I, do, you, what do you think of that totally agree okay you know i think a lot of people live as roommates because they don't really feel like there's any other option so you do think some people should get divorced and they made a mistake no they should go to counseling 
first and then maybe get divorced. Sure, if they, if they, if they can't fix it. Yeah. But I think a lot of times in relationships, they just get used to it and they just they build their life around self-care. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a lot harder, especially if you have kids, to be divorced. You don't get to see your right. kids every day. You yeah. don't, you know, I, I have such empathy for single parents because, you know, I know how hard it is to be around young children on your own, taking care of everything. So a lot of people will make compromises and just resolve, you know, themselves to an unhappy life. I don't think it has to be that way. I think if people understand that, yes, it's a tough life at that stage, mm-hmm. what are you doing to change it? And I think most people are doing nothing. They're just living. And so to that quote, what you're saying is, it's like they resolve themselves to a death sentence. You know, it's like that mm-hmm. expression of like the ball and chain or whatever. Yeah. That I've just been like clipped and I'm in prison or something. And it's not really like that. If the partner doesn't want to do counseling and they're not willing to progress. Correct. And this goes on, this is chronic, then it's probably t- time to yeah, cut them, I mean, cut them loose. If, if, you, if you give the person the opportunity to change things and the other person is open to what they're going to change themselves, you can't just like look at it as if I'm perfect and I have a bad wife or a bad husband, yeah. they need to deal with it. Yeah. It's that's gonna fail. I think both people have to understand that the system is 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 a failed system and that the habits that they have are not helpful. Mm. And if they can change those things, then optimism and hope come back. And if well, they don't, then well, there is no hope. And of course. Well, when you say change some things, what if it's like that's your personality? Like are you supposed to change yourself? Like people some people never change, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's I don't believe it. So, so I've seen people it, in their 60s that, that said that and they changed. It, it, I don't think anybody cannot change. I think if it, it's openness to understanding that what you're doing isn't working. Okay. And if you're willing to try new things, you know, a lot of the times I'm very structured. I see people very short term for couples counseling. So in that situation, once they start to change new things and make them new habits, better things happen. Mm-hmm. And both people win. Because most people, are who even the one who, who feels that the other partner is the problem, generally they're not happy either and there's probably something that they're doing in that relationship that's allowing them to be a victim when they're really not okay so let's say i like a girl yeah and we're not and we and we and we met like three months ago and we're dating Mm -hmm. she wants me to write a book or something okay and let's say i don't really want to write a book just yet or just now and i and i certainly don't want to write it for her but she get and we're fighting about that. Okay. How, what do I say? What? How do I deal with that? Um. Well, I mean, okay. I, it's I, kind of like an amateur. It's like before, way before marriage. You know? Right. 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 I mean, I think if you're not aligned and you don't want to write a book, mm-hmm. then I don't think another person should be making you write a book. Mm-hmm. If you're wanting to write a book and you're hesitant because you're doubtful about certain things, and you see barriers that she doesn't see. Um, I always kind of say to people that, you know, people who are in long-term relationships mm-hmm. are in a much better place if they trust each other, because there are blind spots in all of our lives, things that we don't think can be done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to always sort of have this metaphor of, uh, I remember my, my dad said this to me a long time ago, where he said, you see this cup, Alan, mm-hmm. if you think anybody's going to move this cup besides you, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds kind of stupid, but anybody can move the cup okay. most people in society tend to think that they're amazing and that someone's going to discover who they are mm. but they're not going to have to make the movement themselves and i think in life people put these artificial barriers up of what they can do and how far they can go and i just know from my experience i see people you know who are at the top of their fields and there is no barriers it's just people who do things 
Mm. So if you happen to have a partner who can see where you're blocking yourself mm. and they can help you to do something that you really want to do, mm. but you don't feel like you can, then that's awesome. Yeah. You know, if they're the person who can actually push you forward, I know that, you know, me being married has pushed my career way past where I was. Yeah. You know, as a person who worked at agencies through my hours, you know, I, I have friends today that are still working for companies mm -hmm. and, you know, and they're kind of stuck in it and they might look at my life and say, oh, wow, you got really lucky. Look at you. You're in the SAG building or you're in private practice or I think you said you found me on Yelp or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Like, why is why is he doing so well? Mm. And the reason why is because I'm making that happen. Yeah. You know, I'm working really hard. And, and I'm also understanding that, you know, the barriers and the inner voice inside of me that says, oh, that's impossible. It doesn't exist. Mm. It used to. But I know that my wife has really helped with those blind spots. And if you have a good relationship, bringing it to your example of the book, where she knows you could do this, this is something that you want and it's yourself that's talking you out of it. Mm -hmm. then maybe she's an, an asset to you. If it's something that she wants for herself that you don't want, then it's a different story. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people get married and then they kind of let themselves go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They'll gain weight. Some people will gain weight. Yeah. And uh, I guess say I don't gain weight and the girl does gain weight and I want her to lose weight. Right. How do I handle that? Okay. I mean, I think you have to, that's a tricky one right there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably not going to go well for you. Um, no, I, look, I think that does happen, especially after kids, you know, for men and women, I think, right. what is it they call that? Um, like the solidarity, like where, where men tend to gain a little weight too, while their wives are pregnant. Um, oh yeah. Like an empathy kind of thing. Uh, no, I, I think there are times where people do need to have sexual attraction to one another. Mm -hmm. And if that's fading, then that is one of the things that comes up at the meeting. Yeah. You know, I set up a meeting every week with, with couples that I want them to have pri like after me. Mm. My goal is not to see couples when I, you know, like for example, like with couples counselors, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen people before who've told me that they saw their last couples counselor for two years. And I think that's crazy because mm -hmm. what they were actually dealing with was a referee, a person who basically came in, let them fight on the couch sat there and kind of milked them for the kind money. of milked them for the money. And <laughs> yeah. then basically at the end of it, like they kind of solved their problem on Tuesday because this person was right. And that person was wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's not couples counseling. Like for me, it's, it's a structural change. People need to change exactly everything. If somebody is not attracted to their partner, that is a problem. Right. And that is something that they have to really address. And so whether that's a lifestyle change that they both need to make, you know, then it is something. But in premarital counseling, I think people do need to really, before they get married, look at what is important to them. Okay. Because if looks are very, very important, then that is one of the things that you highlighted as your five. And you probably would go with somebody who has a lifestyle that is exercising all the time, very active. You seen The Notebook? I have, actually. What, what do you think of that story? Is that like a healthy relationship? <laughs> oh, you know, movies. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Sparks. Yeah, no, I know my... Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't, I, my wife was actually watching it a couple of days ago. Mm. Um, I kind of half watched it. You know, I think I, I try to, <laughs> I try not to, to look at movies in that way. Cause I think movies are fictional. Well, they're fictional and they also, there are dreams, you know, they're passionate. They have, they're that, conflict they're that first time that it's all that early month stuff of, yeah, of love. And, right. And I think, you know, being married is very different than just being in love. Right. Um, well, yeah, I appreciate you being here. No, I'm glad. Um, check out 
uh, a Los Angeles therapist, a Los Angeles therapist.com. I'll link it in the description. Cool. Um, thanks for watching. I will see you guys next week.